I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Took care of the Miami Heat, finally actually beating the Miami Heat by a score of 107 to 103 in the second of uh, eight seeding games. And before I go on to recap this win, which was a very, very fun, but also very stressful game, I got to tell you that, look, I know what you're thinking right now, ever since basketball came back, you can't get buckets out of your head. And we're not just talking about basketball buckets, we're talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken Buckets. You watch them, you crave them. That's how it works. I get it. It happens to me all the time. One minute, I'm talking about buckets on the podcast, one minute, I'm complaining about Goran Dragic being a really dirty player, and I really hate that he gets away with it. Uh, the next minute, I'm daydreaming about the $10 Mighty Bucket for two. How can you get your mind off four pieces of chicken, two original recipe tenders, two individual fries, two dips, and, of course, a popcorn chicken? But don't worry. It's normal. It even happens to most NBA players during actual games. It just means you're hungry. So order your bucket online at KFC.ca and get it before tip-off. So, yeah, what a game. Um, very tight one. Uh, unnecessarily so, but I'll go on to explain why that is the case. Um, you know, what you need to know first off is that the Raptors were 0-2 against the Heat, uh, I guess, before the season stopped. And so, you know, it wasn't necessarily like a must win or anything. It wasn't like you need to get the tiebreaker. The Raptors only going to play three games against the Heat. The tiebreaker's not even going to matter against the Heat. Um, but, you know, it just, it's nice to beat the Heat, man. You don't want to be swept by anybody. You don't want to the scenario like the Detroit Pistons had last year where Dwayne Casey could say, well, you know, Nick Nurse won the championship, but he couldn't beat my Pistons. Um, yeah, so, yeah, the Raptors, you know, it, it was a close game, but uh, I, I thought the Raptors actually played pretty well, um, especially in the third quarter. There was a stretch there where the starters offensively, defensively were just clicking. They were making great plays together, um, and it didn't seem like the Heat could match that gear. Um, but it was actually an odd game because, you know, Raptors were really sloppy in the first half. Like, I was thinking out loud when I was just watching the second half where the Raptors had, like, nine turnovers in that quarter alone. Just thinking, like, how are the Raptors even leading at half? They were up, what, four points at halftime? And I was just a little confused because I was like, man, the Raptors aren't even playing well. They're winning 48-44. to 44. Um, You know, the Heat, you know, got a couple of runouts, stuff like that. And, and it just looked like a sloppy game. Like, the, the Raptors bench was giving them nothing. And that's been a bit of a concern. Um, and I'll definitely talk touch on sort of that and what's going on there. But, um, yeah, the Raptors weren't even playing well. They were up at half. Uh, they go into the third quarter. Play some really inspired basketball. Go on this 20-7 to run, open the third quarter. You're thinking, great. Raptors, step on the gas pedal, start of the third quarter. That's what great teams do to good teams. Uh, they create that separation. And we can just, you know, uh, keep them at a distance from here on. But that 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 is not what happened, okay? That is not what happened. Um, the Miami Heat suddenly... Uh, I wouldn't say they got some help from the referees necessarily because I don't think the referees intentionally were trying to help the Heat or anything. But what I can tell you is just the facts. Right? The Raptors were called for 10 fouls in the third quarter. Um, Pascal Siakam got called for four fouls in the span of six minutes, okay? I, just listen, I, I challenge you to find me any superstar or any all-star 
Um, that was called for four fouls in six minutes. Okay, uh, they were at least three of them were the ticky tack variety. Um, you know, uh, you know, Siakam was guarding Jimmy Butler. Butler, you know, has this way about him where he's able to draw contact. You know, really bump and grind a little bit. Uh, and the, and you know, the, I guess the officials really decided in that third quarter. All right, no more. All right, no more. Any don't play defense. All right, in the third quarter, and I guess mission uh, accomplished. The Raptors scored 36 in the third. The Heat scored 35. But basically, the Raptors got into really quick foul trouble. And it made it pretty much impossible to defend. And so even though the Raptors were able to establish a 17-point lead, because like I mentioned, they went on a 20-7 run, um, Miami was able to claw back into the game. You know, Jimmy Butler was able to get to the free throw line, stop the game. You know, Kelly Olnick was able to get his stuff off. You know, um, Goran Dragic was able to do his, you know, shenanigans, basically. And, and really one of the most egregious parts of the game was that um, the Raptors had gotten a stop. OJ Anobi rotated out to the perimeter, blocked the crap out of uh, Goran Dragic in his three-point attempt. But, um, you know, Dragic kind of fell over after getting a shot blocked. Basically tried to tangle his legs under OJ Anobi because, again, the Raptors got the block on the perimeter. So it's it's a run-out situation. It's like a live ball turnover, basically. Uh, Raptors were going to have like a 3-1 fast break. Uh, Olen- or sorry, um, Dragic tries to, uh, you know, you know, put his legs between OG. That didn't really work out. And then as a last-ditch effort, reached back as OG was running up the floor and grabbed his leg and, 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 and pulled OG down. Now, OG's a strong guy, and he spent most of the game guarding Bam Adebayo. And that, that's actually definitely something really interesting, and I'll talk about that. But, um, yeah, so OG's a strong guy, and he's a respectable player, so he, he's not complaining about anything, you know, whatever, no harm, no foul, I guess. Uh, except, you know, the officials, not okay, so first off, they stopped the fast break, okay? The Raptors were definitely going to score on that fast break, because it's a three-on-one, with Lowry running it. Um, so they stopped the fast break, okay, cool, they're going to uh, they're gonna try to, you know, they call the foul on Dragic, they're going to review if it's a uh, flagrant foul. To me, if you intentionally drag a guy down, in any sport, actually, if you're playing soccer, that's a yellow card. If you're playing football, that's pass interference, whatever. Like, this is clearly a foul, and they clearly called the foul. But in this case, when you're dragging on someone's leg while you're on the floor, that's dirty. That that, that could really hurt somebody. You do not want someone who's... You don't want to unexpectedly trip anybody, okay? That is really, really dangerous. Um, and so the officials want to review it, and, and you know, it was clear. It was clear what, what, what Dragic was doing, right? You know, he made two attempts at it. And, you know, the official walks over. I think it was David Guthrie walks over to the booth. Um, and, and the nice thing is you can actually hear the officials speaking very clearly to the people in the booth. I don't know if this is like a broadcast decision or maybe this is just like a technical thing that's happened because of the bubble. But you can hear the official saying, yeah, we see it. Dragic, you know, pulls uh, OJ Anobi. He reaches out. He grabs him on the leg. However, there was no foul on the play, so there was no uh, injury on the play. So uh, and and OG wasn't quote unquote hurt. So that's just a common foul. And I, I mean, I, I I can't explain that. I really can't explain that. That is a dangerous precedent to send. If you need to hurt somebody for that to be a flagrant foul, that's that's dumb. I mean, actually, later on in the game, I thought the Raptors actually kind of got a makeup call in that sense when you know uh, Kelly Olynyk swiped down for the ball. Kyle Lowry got the rebound. Uh, and, and accidentally caught Kyle in the eye. Now, that's a play where I'm like, okay, you can call a foul on that for sure. It's a foul. But at the same time, I don't think that's a flagrant. That's a basketball play. You try to swipe down on the ball. Sometimes you hit the guy in the face. It happens, right? It, it wasn't intentional. But Kyle was, was, was staying down because it got clawed in the eye and it probably hurt like crazy. 
and the official wants to review that, and they said, "Well, this one is actually a flagrant foul." That doesn't make any sense to me. I think it should be reversed. But look, I don't want to be stand. I don't want to be Jeff Van Gundy on this podcast. I'll just say that the officiating in the third quarter really, really took the Raptors out of their rhythm. Uh, the Heat were able to really get going in scoring, and of course, the Raptors bench came in. They stuck on the joint, uh, and, and Miami's bench actually played really well tonight because of Dragic and the guys like Olenek. So Miami's actually able to quickly reverse that 17 point um, lead from the Raptors, take the lead themselves, and it was, you know, even the start of the fourth quarter, I mean, Miami immediately hopped out to like a 6 nothing run. They were they were celebrating. It looked like Miami was going to steal the game. I was very cheesed. Um, but, you know, the Raptors came in just a lot more composed. They got guys like Fred Van Vliet in the game, uh, you know, Kyle in the game. You know, Mark eventually came in, Pascal, OG. Once I got the starting five back together, it, it was fine. Uh, you know, the Raptors starting five was pretty damn good, but... Yeah, it was um, it was unnecessarily stressful for a bit, but thankfully, because the game was stressful, we got a lot of Fred VanVleet heroics, and I gotta say, I have missed these. Um, you know, Fred has obviously had a breakout season, and today might have been his best, you know, scoring game at least of the entire season. I mean, he had a career high thirty six points today. He previously set his career high uh, on opening night, I believe, against the Pelicans. Uh, where he had 34 in that one. But yeah, 36 tonight for Fred VanVleet. 8 of 16 shooting, 7 of 12 from 3, 13 of 13 from the free throw line. Um, and I think what this really exposes is like a weakness in Miami's defense, right? Like they don't really have good um, like guard defenders. They, they can't really handle point guards. Now, the the strength of Miami is that they have Adebayo, you know, at the back line. And he can really take on those like power forward, like Giannis, you know, Pascal types. He can do all that. That's his specialty, right? And he's he's a decent rim protector, too. Uh, and then you got Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, you know, Andre Godala, I guess, if you still want to count him. Honestly, he's more of an investor at this point than, um, than he is a basketball player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, they have strong perimeter defenders. Even Derrick Jones Jr. is, like, uh, disruptive uh, with his length and quickness. Um, you know, Miami's defense is strong on that front, but they do not have a good guy to put at the point of attack. Uh, if you're talking about Goran Dragic, not really a defender. If you're talking about Kendrick Nunn, this man was terrible today. Kendrick Nunn, two points, 0 of 7 from the uh, from the field and, and just got lit up by Fred VanVleet. Um, and, and even like a Tyler Hero, like there's just nobody who can really put a cap on point guards. And Fred VanVleet just, just exploited that weakness, right? I mean, you know, even sometimes when Miami decided, okay, look, Fred is clearly hot. He's got like 20 plus points or whatever. Let's put someone bigger on him. Let's try to, you know, I don't know, bully Fred a little bit. That didn't work too. I mean, you know, Fred was able to get off some ridiculously deep threes, man. I mean, like a pull-up three, leaning forward um, off a high pick and roll from 30 feet out. The, the, the Miami Heat defense just momentarily took their foot off the gas pedal, thought, okay, that's too deep for Fred to shoot. Fred says, no, it's not. Okay, I'm going to make this three. And then what I thought was actually the shot of the night when... um. You know, Fred was going up against Andre Godala one-on-one, late shot clock situation. Fred just shoots his rainbow from the middle of the floor, and that somehow goes in, too. And I'm thinking, wow, Andre Godala nowadays looking like Quinn Cook in the finals. Uh, it, 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 You know, it was just a really impressive game from Fred. And, of course, even the free throws, right? Because because the Miami Heat don't have great perimeter defenders, at least at the point of attack, Fred was able to get by his man, get all into the rim, and draw contact. And... um you know, yeah, I mean, Fred getting to the free throw line 13 times, that's got to be a career high. He knocks on all 13, uh, and including some in crunch time, too. You know, I mean, Fred really was really carrying the Raptors. I mean, he played 42 minutes tonight. I don't think he sat at all in the second half. It didn't, it didn't seem that way. Uh, Nick Nurse really wanted this win. But I also like it in the sense that, you know, Fred was 
you know, not a hundred percent. I thought in the scrimmages. I mean, no one's a hundred percent in the scrimmages. You, you gotta be wild to be going hundred percent in the scrimmages. You gotta be Kyle Lowry taking two charges against the Suns in the third or three scrimmages. Um, but yeah, Fred wasn't really going that hard in the scrimmages, but he wasn't really doing much in those scrimmages. And then, um, you know, there were some possessions where you're, you're just thinking like, is Fred, you know, is is it rust? What's going on? Because he got a, he's got a shot blocked a couple of times at the start of this game, just like he got his shot blocked against uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's worrisome when you see Fred get his shot blocked because, you know, um, it just leads to bad memories of the Sixers series, but Fred really turned it around today, man. Of course, he turned it around against the Lakers. He had a good game against the Lakers, but today, oh my God, he was amazing. Like he had one like transition layup where he was going against whatever Duncan Robinson, but like Jay Crowder coming in from behind him. Fred was able to like take the hit, like spin underneath the Robinson, then then toss the ball up with his left hand to get the spin off the glass perfectly before Jay Crowder blocked him. A lot of impressive plays for Fred VanVleet, and um, yeah, I mean, hey, look, this is this is a problem. I, I mean, I don't think the Raptors are going to play Miami in the playoffs, but if they do, um, you know, the, not having a not having a good like just pit bull style of like stop the ball at the point of attack, put him on a small, quick guy. Not not having you know that type of defender, you know, it really does favor the Raptors, who have guys like Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet, who can make plays or at the very minimum get into the paint and then kick out and create open opportunities for other people. So, I thought Fred played amazing. Uh, obviously, he's going to be the first star when I get to three stars. But you know, there's also some other positives. I thought I thought Pascal started the game off beautifully. Um, you know, look, when you get called for four fouls in the third quarter in six minutes, um, you know, that's going to neutralize you a little bit. And he didn't really factor in as much, uh, in the second half, but in the first half, man, Pascal was going at everybody. He was scoring, he was shooting the ball. Well, four of seven from three, he had a mid range shot as well. Uh, he was, you know, the outside shot was there. I mean, look, Miami didn't pressure him that much on the perimeter, but, um, you know, Pascal, I mean, when he sees that, he's going to make them, you know, pay for, for guarding him that way. And he did that, you know, going against Bam Adebayo, going against Jay Crowder. I mean, didn't really go against Butler that much, but, you know, it, it, Pascal was just, he was having his way. I mean, he had one of those games where, you know, it, it, it looked like it had the pattern and the script of a classic Pascal game, like 13, like 11 points in the first quarter, a couple of threes, his jumper's working, you know, you expect the defense to adjust, he's going to get to the post, score, spin, do all the other stuff. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't as featured in the offense today as he, uh, I guess, would normally be, but um, 22 points on 7 of 14 shooting for Pascal, including those four threes. Uh, a lot of impressive plays, you know, got in the defense, kicked it out, got three assists as well. Uh, I thought Pascal was was good. I mean, it's it's been interesting to see that Pascal hasn't necessarily been featured as much, um, you know, pretty much in the scrimmages, but also also not as much in the uh, the Laker game and and the Heat game. I think there's been some bad matchups for him defensively. Like, I don't think I need to see Pascal force it against Bam Adebayo or force it against Anthony Davis just to prove a point. Like, I, I don't need to. I mean, <laughs> I'd rather win the game and play smart. Um, but I thought Pascal was, you know within his role played well the only gripe I had was in the fourth quarter maybe like you know crunch time two to three minutes left uh Raptors had a fast break uh, the Heat actually did really well to get back they stopped the fast break but Siakam got deep post position against Jay Crowder and I thought he was just gonna hit him with like two hard dribbles you know back him down just as much as he can and then go up straight with the hook shot shoot over Crowder obviously Crowder is not as tall as Pascal and and Siakam's usually money in those situations but in the instead you know, Siakam, you know, kind of, he, he did take dribbles with his back to the basket, but somehow ended up moving farther away 
ended up somewhere basically almost at the um, the elbow. Ended up turning, uh, taking around a turnaround uh, fadeaway jumper over Jay Crowder, which you know hit short short iron. I mean, I, I get the practicing those shots. I definitely understand that he's been working on those for sure. That's a major area of focus for him is facing up and attacking in that triple threats position. But um, you know. Also, sometimes I just feel like, look, Pascal, your your strength is still getting to the rim first and foremost. And of course, you know, if you need to hit the hit the jumper or if you need to keep the defense honest, for sure. But in that situation, I would have preferred him to go strong to the basket instead of fading away from contact. You don't even need to fade against Jay Crowder; he's not going to block your shot. So um, that was the only thing I could really nitpick. But I thought Pascal played well. Uh, Kyle obviously did Kyle stuff. You know, was really aggressive, took some charges. Uh, didn't shoot the ball that well, but got to the free throw line nine times, hit all nine of his free throws, you know, uh, came up with some uh, key defensive stops as well. Two blocks, including one on Tyler Hero in transition, so I think we can officially end the hype over Tyler Hero. Listen, if you're getting blocked by 34-year-old Kyle Lowry, then I don't know what else to say to you, man. I mean, <laughs> it's just unfortunate, but yeah, Kyle played some good defense, you know, um, you know, just kind of stepped back today in the scoring role. Obviously, Fred was playing the role of Kyle Lowry. Uh, from the Laker game, basically against uh, the Heat tonight, so there was no need there. Um, what I thought actually was a really interesting st- a strategical move by uh, Nick Nurse was to use OG Ananobi uh, as the primary defender against Bam Adebayo instead of a guy like Marc Gasol. You would expect, especially with the Heat starting Adebayo at center, uh, a lot of times they start at center with him, um, and he plays power forward. But with about starting at center, you would have just expected, okay, Marcus Hall's going to guard him, you know, center versus center. Nick Nurse decides, all right, no, I'm going to use OG Anobi to guard Bam Adebayo. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to bet that OG Anobi, A, first off, has enough strength to physically hold Adebayo in the post, right? Not give up a whole bunch of offensive rebounds, anything like that, which is what happened. Adebayo got one offensive rebound in 32 minutes. You're, you're totally live with that. Um, but Nick Nurse is basically betting, look, I can put OG in the game and put OG on Adebayo because what that does is that that takes away a lot of Adebayo's strengths, right? Adebayo's strengths right now are handling the basketball, making plays on the perimeter. You know, defenses are usually sagging off him because he's not a shooter, but that really creates a lot of opportunities, you know, basically as a free passing range from for, for everywhere. Um, you know, those dribble handoffs, and, you know, it's to get Duncan Robinson an open three or, or um, you know, Tyler Hero an open three or even whoever else, Kendrick Nunn. Um, you know, those are a lot of what Adebayo does. And then, of course, Adebayo is also good in that short roll situation where you have him set the screen, he catches the ball, you know, in the middle of the floor, defense rotates, and he's able to survey and find the open shooter. Um, OG was able to disrupt a lot of that. First off, one of the plays I thought was one of the defining plays of the game, defensively at least, with OG pressuring Adebayo all the way up with the floor, uh, you know, knocking his dribble loose, you know, uh, pressuring him, trying to beat him to the sideline to recover the ball. Didn't end up doing it, but just that amount of pressure that OG put on Adebayo. You're just not, I mean, realistically, you're not going to put Serge on Adebayo and, and Serge is going to, like, you know, attack his dribble like that. Or, or even Mark's not really going to attack his dribble like that, so... That was that was interesting. You know, OG was able, able to pressure him, uh, take away most of the passing lanes. You know, I didn't think Adebayo's playmaking today for assists, you know, uh, was all that great. Um, and I just thought that, you know, even though those situations were, okay, you know what, if if there is going to be a, uh, you know, pick and roll, obviously Butler, Adebayo, that's probably the primary um, focus of their offense. You know, those are the two all-stars. If that did happen, well, the Raptors actually smartly put Pascal Siakam on Jimmy Butler. 
and length has always been a big disruptor of Butler's game. I, I think that move is going to make sense in the long run too. The Raptors playing them in, in, in a playoff series, but um, if you have that situation, okay, then fine, just switch it. Then you can switch it. You can live with Pascal guarding Bam. You can live with OG guarding Butler. So I, I thought it was just a smart move, and and really even just aside from the out of bio matchup, I, I just it puts Gasol on a more you know like a perimeter player like Jay Crowder. Okay, Jay Crowder gets 10 threes. Cool, man. Like, if you want to give Jay Crowder 10 three-point attempts, I'm fine with that. Just like, you know, the game against the Lakers. If the, Okay, they're going to triple-team LeBron. They're going to triple-team AD. Uh, so if you want to take a bunch of shots with, uh, you know, Markeith Morris, uh, you know, Alex Caruso, Deion Waiters, go ahead. I, you know, you're not going to beat us with those guys. And it's kind of the same deal here with the Heat. Uh, and, and, you know, when you put Mark on a, a weaker offensive player he's more able to help at the rim and just protect the basket and that's what mark did man i mean jesus christ mark has been amazing defensively in the first two games here uh in that first game against the lakers you know the lakers posted an offensive rating of 60 <laughs> with marcus on the floors that's 60 points per 100 possessions essentially uh that's you know uh, you know i don't know man that's basically pat mccall numbers um you know you know and then in today's game, Marcus Gasol defensive rating like seventy nine, you know, under under eighty, uh, and again, just a, a really nice defensive effort from Mark. So, I just thought it was a it was a creative move by by Nick Nurse. I, I asked my buddy, uh, you know, who was a Heat fan. Unfortunately, he's a good guy, but he's you know, great guy actually. But you know, he's unfortunately a Heat fan. Big fan of uh, Alonzo Mourning. Um, I asked him, like, oh, has anyone actually put a wing player on Adebayo this year? Um, or is Nick one of the first people to do it? And he basically confirmed that, yeah, like, that's that's not a strategy you usually see. So, you know, once again, that's just Nick Nurse showing creativity and, and, and innovation. I'm sure, um, you know, coaches who are going to be scouting this game uh, in advance of playing the Miami Heat uh, might be able to, you know, replicate or copy that formula if they have an OG-type defender. Um, but yet, you know... Even though all these coaches are stealing plays and stealing moves, you know, I was watching that. Uh, I was watching that the ending of that Bucks, um, that last Bucks game um, that they played against the, the Rockets, and they actually ran one of those, uh, uh, one of that pl- one of those plays that you know, Dwayne Casey used to run a lot, and obviously Nick Nurse ran a lot uh, as well. Where uh, you know they get the ball in the half court, they set a half court screen, they get a, a, a driver in this case Giannis, you know, coming off full speed on the inbound, going downhill off the high screen, getting to the basket, scoring. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm seeing people steal uh, you know plays from the Raptors all the time, and yet Nick Nurse somehow only third in uh, coaches uh, coach of the year voting. Um, you know, just just funny how that works. People are willing to steal his plays, but not willing to give him credit. And and you know, OG Ananobi guarding Bam Adebayo, another creative move by uh, Nick Nurse who is evidently not as creative as Mike Boonholzer, who literally runs the same play every game, and um, and Billy Donovan, who has a, a hell of a widow's peak. You know, just an elite widow's peak, man. That thing looks like the, the scene from Lions King. Um, yeah, what else happened today? I mean, you know, really, if you're going to focus on the negatives, obviously the officiating was annoying, but, you know, the Raptors should also be able to, as a, you know, mature championship-tested squad, be able to go out there and, you know, uh, keep their composure. Now, they did do that, um, but, you know, a lot of that was also up to the bench to do it because that kind of happened midway through the third. So, the bench was bad. Uh, the bench has been bad uh, all three games. It's been bad offensively. It's been bad defensively. The first game against the Lakers, they got outscored 50-15 to 15 in bench points. That's not good. 
And then today, it, it, it got even worse. I mean, let me just do a couple quick math here. But you got Olenek with 17. You got Dragovich with 25. So that's 42. And then you get Tyler Hero with 12. So that's 54. And the Raptors got a grand total of 22 points off their bench with only Serge Ibaka and Norman Powell scoring. So that that's pretty bad to get outscored 54 to uh, 22 there uh, after you got outscored 50 to 15. There's just, you know, I don't think it's anything necessarily that bad. I mean, it's weird because... Some of these transitional lineups. Okay, so the first set of subs after the if the starters come in, they play their six minutes or whatever. Then all of a sudden, you know, TV timeout, whatever. Kyle Lowry comes out, and uh, and Mark comes out, and in comes in Serge Ibaka, Norman Powell. I mean, yo, the Serge Ibaka, Norman Powell, Pascal Siakam, Fred VanVleet, OG Anobi lineups have played a lot together this year, man. I mean, there've been a lot of injuries. You should expect that combo to work, but. As soon as some of those guys go out, the bench comes in. It just doesn't really work out. Now, Serge at least picked it up later in the game. Uh, he had a strong stretch there in the second half where he, you know, he had a pump fake, drove all the way to the basket, uh, you know, had a smart cut after the, the, the Heat were double-teaming from Van Vliet a half-court like it was Steph Curry. Uh, dribbled out of that trap, found um, Serge uh, under the basket for a layup. Uh you know, he had a strong stretch there. But, um, yeah, I mean, overall, it just was not good. And the guy I'm looking really at right now is Norman Powell, who I at least had five assists, which uh, is surprising looking at the box score. I definitely watching the game, did not remember any of those five assists. But, um, yeah, he's been he's been really struggling in, in terms of just uh, basketball. <laughs> um, defensively, it was bad. Like, he had to guard a lot of Kelly Olenek today when the, when the Heat went to a bigger lineups and stuff like that. And, you know... It wasn't even like, okay, Olenek posted up Norm, overpowered him because he's stronger and he's a 7-footer. No, it was like, okay, Norm's going to miss an assignment boxing out and Olenek's going to come in and get an offensive rebound off a putback. And then, oh, Norm's going to miss Kelly Olenek cutting back door because he fell asleep and Olenek's getting in for a layup. Or, or oh, Norm's going to close out wildly on Olenek, run past him, Olenek's able to cash the three after the pump fake. Like, it, it was bad. It was really bad seeing Norm play. And, you know, offensively, some of those things were going to are going to even out eventually. Like, he's missing a couple open threes. Uh, and, and what's most frustrating, really, is when he drives to the basket, gets all up to the basket, does all the good stuff, and then leaves the layup short. That's where you're like, oh, crap, this is the old Norm Powell again. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think Norm's going to convert some more of these offensive opportunities. We know he's capable. We know he can do it. Um, and I guess we even know that Norm's even more capable defensively. Because, I, you know, I remember, you know, right, right before the, you know, the, the stop and play happened, Norm was out there guarding Steph Curry and, and did a decent job. So um, I've expected the bench to pick it up. And I, I trust Norm. I trust Serge. I know they can pick it up, and I think they will. But it's the other guys that I'm really curious about. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, two games, has not really done anything. I mean, today, 11 minutes, uh, only one rebound, two turnovers, minus six. Uh, I mean, that's unbelievable as a, as a hustle player. Like, you got to come up with a couple of rebounds. You got to try to find a way to get an assist because, you know, he's dribbling too much in the paint. Defense overreacts. He kicks it out. You know, one of those classic Rondé um, accidentally makes a play kind of plays. Okay, a steal, get a block. Anything, man. You're a hustle player in 11 minutes. You cannot only have one rebound and two turnovers to show for. That That's bad. And, of course, we know Rondé really cramps the floor offensively when that happens. Um, but, you know, Matt Thomas doesn't play. Uh, which, whatever, fine. Um, you know, Raptors were doing well defensively against the Heat. You don't need to jeopardize that. Uh, and then Terrence Davis, I mean, bro, ever since, you know, he had some unfortunate Instagram posts, this man has done absolutely nothing, man. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, I trust these guys because I know that we, they've done things in the regular season to warrant minutes. We've seen them step up in bigger spots. Rondé, Terrence, even guys like Boucher, who didn't play at all today. 
uh, these guys can come in and impact the game. Matt Thomas can come in and impact the game positively. Uh, they just haven't done it so far. So, I mean, I, I think the Raptors should really just look at... I mean, I don't know, man. First off, who is that eighth man? I mean, at this rate, it is going to be McCaw again. I think McCaw, when he comes back from injury, um, you know, Nick's probably going to be like, look, finally, I have a guy I can trust. At least defensively, I know what McCaw's going to do. Um, and, he, and he won't take away too much offensively in terms of, uh, you know, taking shots away from other people. Maybe he could take more shots, you know, not away from himself and, and shoot a couple. But still, I mean, you can at least trust McCaw to a degree where some of these other guys have not really come in and done it. And, and especially a guy like Davis, like, with Norm struggling, you would expect Terrence Davis to come in and give you something, but he has been really, really bad in the two games here. So it's unfortunate, um, and you know, hopefully the bench can step up a little bit more. Just because you don't want the starters to overextend themselves either, right? We're talking about seeding games. The Raptors already have two wins here. They've already gained one game up on the Celtics. Uh, they have that game coming up against the Celtics, but basically the Raptors have a really good grip on the uh, on on the second seed, and, and that's pretty much all there is to play for. So. We know the starters can play well together. It's just a matter of like, you know, let's let's get the bench going so that the starters don't have to. Um, but ultimately, you know, not too much to complain about in the win. And I can't believe I've waited this long to say, but also Fred VanVleet came up with the game-saving steal. I don't know why if I didn't mention that. So crunch time, um, you know, Raptors. Yeah, I think Fred got two free throws. He, he hit those. Whatever. Uh, it was a close game, one-point game. The Heat had the ball, and they were inbounding. So okay, actually. Rewind that a little bit, actually. So the Raptors up one uh, with, like, maybe 35 seconds. So we're really curious because they call timeout. Okay, who are they going to go to? Who's, and, and what do they run? Is it going to be Pascal? Is it going to be Kyle? Is it going to be Fred? I mean, Fred's been hot. He, he basically was the number one option tonight. Um, and, you know, they decided to go to Kyle, which I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but, you know, what was, I think, smart was that Nick actually recognized the, the fact that it was a two-for-one opportunity, right? So the Raptors were able to... Get the quick shot off. Well, not even necessarily quick because it's 36 seconds. Get a decent shot off, but quick, but decent shot off. And then you can get the ball back no matter what happens. Um, and and they got Kyle going downhill against Jay Crowder. There's some contact. I don't mind the no call there. Kyle, you know, obviously can exaggerate some contact. There was some contact, but ultimately, if I were the Heat and, and that was called on Jay Crowder, I'd be pissed. Uh, I think Crowder just held this position for the most part. But, um, yeah, that didn't work out. The Heat had the ball. They call timeout. They try to run a play. Uh, they got Dragic operating the ball up top. They got, you know, I think Butler on a cut through the middle. Uh, and, and and you know, Dragic trying to basically, what, thread the needle on a bounce pass and um, in traffic. And, you know, Butler doesn't get two hands on it. Honestly, when he, when he saw the replay, Kyle actually kind of held a little bit on his forearm. Now, whatever, man. This is... This is just part of the game, quote unquote. I, I know I was, you know, griping about fishing earlier. This feels a little hypocritical, but I, I would say it is part of the game. All right, this is not like tripping a guy on open floor and saying he didn't get hurt. Um, you know, he he, he he pulled on Butler's arm just a little bit, held onto it, maybe like pressed gently, kneaded his arm like it was pizza dough. Uh, and Butler was not able to get two hands on it. To be honest, I didn't think Butler could have. I didn't think Butler would have gone two hands on it anyway. It's just the pass was ahead of him, and Butler kind of didn't have the focus there to fully grasp the ball. But that was a turnover. Raptors go the other way. No, I'm sorry, Raptors inbound the ball. Mark splits two free throws. Raptors up two at this point. Miami has another chance, and this time they run another play where, again, they try to have, you know, you know, Eric Spolstra, very smart coach. Um, you know, he he. Instead of going to some more obvious options like Adebayo or Butler, this time he tries to go for Dragic, and not in an obvious way where you know he had Butler operating the ball up top, 
he had Dragic setting a, a screen in the middle of the floor away from the ball for Adebayo. And you would expect, okay, okay, maybe that's a lob or something like that. Like, you got to take away the, you know, Adebayo rolling to the basket. That's a real threat. And instead, you know, they had Dragic then come off that screen and then curl towards the basket. And it looked for a second like, oh, that pass was open because Fred was, you know, obviously guarding Dragic, was off of him. But Fred reads the play entirely, navigates the Adebayo, you know, curl, that, that decoy basically. And meets um, Butler uh, and meets uh, Dragic right at the catch of that pass from I think Butler and um, Fred was able to knock that away. Raptors recover the ball. Uh, Pascal goes to the line, you know, seals two free throws. Game is over. So, um, yeah. Ultimately, look, it, it was uh, it was a hotly contested game. It was um, you know frustrating, especially in that third quarter when the officiating seemed to be robbing the Raptors a little bit. But on the whole, just a really nice performance. Again, the Raptors look really sharp. The bench could really use some work, but the starting lineup looks fantastic. You got a superstar performance from Fred Van Vliet tonight. And um, yeah, and then Miami chokes it at the end. I mean, yo, this is, <laughs> listen, I can't write a script better than this. <laughs> I'll get Miami's heat, uh, get their hopes up, and then uh, and then you dash them. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And of course, the guy who uh, ended up, um, you know, holding the L there is, is Goran Dragic, who's involved in both those turnovers at the end. So you love to see it. Uh, you know, that's just karma coming back to a guy who, again, you should just look up his history as a player uh, and, and the kind of stuff that he gets into. It's it's not great. Um, in terms of your three stars, uh, first star, obviously, Fred Van Vliet, 36 points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal, eight of 16 from the field, seven of 12 from the three, 13 of 13 from the free throw line. Man played 42 minutes, which might be a high uh, for all non-overtime um, players uh, so far in the bubble. But, you know, obviously the close game, Fred Van Vliet is red hot. Good job, Nick Nurse, not to take him out in the second half, man, because Raptors really needed Fred to do everything. Uh, so he was good. He was great, really. Uh, second star, I'm giving that to... Uh, I'll give it to Pascal. 22 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal. 7-14 uh, from the field, 4-7 from 3, 4-4 four, four from the free throw line. You know, I, I like the I like Pascal's energy. Uh, I think defensively he did a good job against Butler. Butler only had 16 points, only had nine field goal attempts. You know, he got the eight you know free throw attempts, whatever. Uh, these days he is really the Jimmy the Butler. Um, you know, playing a lot of that Demar Derozan style, uh, plus some defense. Which I mean, listen, if Demar played some defense, it would have been a different story. But um, yeah, Pascal I thought did a good job limiting Butler. Uh, the length really did affect him there. Uh, and, and, you know, offensively, at the start, man, Pascal really had it going. You know, the jumpers, everything like that was was flowing. Uh, the four fouls sort of took him out of the game, took him out of his rhythm. But on the whole, still a very good game from Pascal. So he gets my second star. And then third star, you know, I want to give it to Kyle. Very tempted to give it to Kyle. Obviously, I think Kyle was the third best player here. Made some great plays. But I'm actually going to give it to um, OG Anobi just because I think he had the hardest job here, man. He had to guard Adebayo, who is bigger than him, um, is a center. But again, this is just another reason why OG is an all NBA level defender is that he can guard all five positions. And this isn't like, oh, uh, you know, LeBron can guard all five positions. LeBron guards zero positions. Okay, he he guards the last five seconds of games and and and, and gets a lot of credit. But you know, OG Anobi is a guy who can really, if you wanted him to guard whoever, look at the look at the Heat starting lineup today. If you want him to guard Kendrick Nunn, you'll do that. Duncan Robinson, he can do that. Jay Crowder, definitely. Jimmy Butler, he's done that in the past. And now Adebayo, right? That's what I'm talking about. When we're talking about five, like, he can really guard all five positions. And we saw him today. Nick Nurse, obviously, with that clever move to put OG on Bam. 
uh, neutralized a lot of the, the Heat's dribble handoff action, was able to switch a lot of those, everything like that. Uh, and, and of, of course, he just held his own. I mean, out of only one offensive rebound. That guy's, you know, a really good, really active, really physical player around the rim. OG, you know. OG's pretty physical too, man. I mean, what what is OG? Like, at least 240? Like, you know, he, he's he's pretty thickly built too. And he, he did not give up any, um, any space. So even though he only had seven points, OG, uh, he blocked... Goran Dragic, which uh, I really enjoyed. He hit a three, played some good defense. So I'm giving OG the third star. All right, you, you can you can argue with me in the comments. Um, in terms of the Gerald Henderson Award, uh, that's got to go to either Olenek or Dragic. To be honest, don't like Dragic if that's not already very apparent. So I'm going to give it to Kelly Olenek, who I got to say, man, Leo, um, he's obviously coached Olenek before as a you know with the national program, the Canadian national team. Uh, he was he loves Olenek, man. Oh man, the guy was talking about him like he was like uh, you know Ma- Maple Durant or something. Um, but yeah, I mean Olenek, he played well yeah, to his credit, man. Um, he was really a pest, you know, really active on the offensive glass. Got a couple of tip outs. Uh, played reasonably good defense altogether. Um, you know, seventeen points in thirty one minutes. Um, got the four three point attempts off, and just was consistently a threat. You know what I mean? Like he was making plays out there. He was active. He might have honestly outplayed Adebayo, which is, uh, you know, rare, uh, to say the least. But, um, yeah, Kelly Olenek, you know, just a guy who, again, respect to Kelly for always showing up for Team Canada. Only reason he didn't show up for Team Canada last year uh, for the World Cup was because he banged his knee in a uh, scrimmage against Team Nigeria at uh, at Ryerson. Um, and, of course, the Heat at that point held him out. But Kelly's always been a guy who's represented Canada, always been really loyal to the program. And, um, you know, he's had a nice career now. So happy for Kelly. I think he, you know, off the bench in Miami probably is probably the best uh, role for him. Um, but, yeah, you know, good game for Kelly. Uh, Dragic also had a good game too, but I'm just not going to give him credit because, you know, I, I find this man very, very annoying. So that does it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, you know, as a program, you know, I have to let you know that, look, the Raptors Over Everything live call-in show. Uh, hosted by me and co-host Josh Hart. We'll be back tomorrow. That's Tuesday. And uh, we will be going live on the air around 12 p.m. Uh, still on YouTube. You can watch it on the Yahoo Sports Canada YouTube page. Uh, we will be taking questions. We'll be taking calls. We'll be taking comments. Whatever. Same deal as before. You remember the show. Please call in around 12. Uh, the number, I don't remember off the top of my head. We had to change the number for some technical reasons. But there will be a graphic on my timeline. You can look out for that. Uh, to get more information but yeah tomorrow tuesday at uh, 12 p.m eastern please call in um you know we have we love that show there's uh such a community built around that show i loved hearing from people all over the world i mean shout out my guy vitali from moscow uh, i think the 12 p.m eastern is going to translate a little bit better for uh, moscow time i think it's uh, 7 p.m there so uh that 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 should be a little easier um but yeah, on, on the whole, man, it's just uh, it'd be nice to hear from everybody. You know, we had some Australian callers. We had man callers from you know obviously all across the, the GTA. You know, all across Canada, people from Calgary, uh, Ottawa. You know, I don't want to sound like Matt Devlin, but you know, all those all those cities, Richmond, I think. You know, uh, so look out for the Raptors over everything live call-in show. Of course, that will be reposted uh, both as a, a YouTube video on, on YouTube if you can't call in live. Uh, you can listen to it there, you can watch it there, or you can listen to it on the Raptors or Everything podcast feed. But uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. Me and Josh have been working really hard to sort of, uh, you know, uh, together with our producers, 
um, Ashley, Steph, Louisa, like we were really trying to put this show back together. Obviously, we don't have the studio anymore, which is unfortunate because of COVID. Uh, but, you know, we're going to try to make it work virtually and uh, we're looking forward to taking your calls. So once again, that's 12 p.m. tomorrow, uh, Tuesday uh, for the Raptors Everything Live call-in show. It's a lot of fun. So thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to the sponsor, KFC. And yeah, thanks to Fred Van Leet, man. I mean, damn. Uh, 36 points. That's that's one hell of a way to break out of a slump. So uh, Raptors are 2-0 in the uh, Orlando bubble. And um, yeah, they play the uh, Orlando Magic next. Wow, I can't wait to, uh, you know, hate watch that game. Because, you know, I'm tired of Orlando, man. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.